Welcome everyone to Coffee for Scalers. I'm delighted today to have Aaron Debevois um, to Coffee for Scalers, uh, talk about someone who scaled businesses before in the online video space, involved in Style Hall, uh, founded Machinima, and his latest uh, business, Spotter, uh, which has been going just over three, four years now, um, yep. and a big, massive business in the creator economy. So yeah, Aaron, welcome to Coffee for Scalers. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to kind of share uh, the journey and as and what and what we're planning on doing in the future. So uh, excited to be here. Great. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's amazing what Spotter has done over the last few years. Um, for anyone who doesn't know anything about Spotter out there, can you just give us a quick intro to the company? Yeah. So Spotter's main mission is to provide. Um, I mean, what we believe is providing capital to and knowledge to creators will allow them to expand their businesses and, and really change the world, right? And the thought there is, you know, the more capital that they have, the more they can invest in themselves, meaning, and then they can reach more people and in whatever they're doing, right? We think of changing the world as could be, you know, a community of 10,000 people all focused on, you know, having a better, better way to cook, right? Or a community of like what Mr. Beast, uh, who's one of the biggest channels on, on YouTube, uh, activating his community to help take 30 millions of pounds uh, of garbage out of the ocean, um, yeah. this Team C's thing. It's all it's all really critical, and we just believe this world of creators is going to get bigger and bigger. And the thing that's holding those creators back is no longer the barriers to dis to distribute content, but it's the barriers of access to capital that allow them to invest and hire people and actually grow. Um, so what Spotter's main, main mission is to provide that capital to creators by licensing their back catalogs um, and for them to get cash now that would otherwise take them five years to get, right? And say, hey, now you can use that cash to grow. And that, and when you use that, you should be making a lot more money than if you would otherwise have sit, sat around and waited for the capital. Wow. Yeah, I, I, um, I heard about Mr. Beast where you guys have helped him with... Um create multiple channels in different languages, right? It's fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah. What we're, what we're noticing is that the more we work with creators, the more ideas that they come up with now that they have access to capital. And so yeah. what, one of the things Mr. Beast um, or Jimmy came to and asked us was, hey, I want to launch a Spanish version um, of, of Mr. Beast. And um, we were there to say, hey, we can support that because we have a relationship with you and we've, we've, you know, invested in you before. And so let's, let's help you do that. Some people will say, Hey, I want to do bigger productions in the future. And so we'll say, okay, maybe we can finance future uploads, right? Not yeah. just your historical uploads. Um, or they want to go to Facebook. We don't, we don't do anything outside of like YouTube financing, but mm. we will do mo more financing if it, if it helps them launch a specific initiative. Right. Um, so yeah. How did you come up with the idea? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think I think the big aha moment for me, right, yeah. was I was I was a co-founder of Machinima, and where we were working with thousands of creators, you know, and our main mission at Machinima was to build a brand that consumers really look to to say, hey, when I want to watch a certain type of content that represents the gamer generation, I know I can go to Machinima and know what I get. But the other mission was to say like, hey, there's a lot of people that want to create content on a full-time basis. Yeah. And 
YouTube hadn't really figured out how to pay them enough for them to quit their jobs. Even if the job was simply like, Hey, I'm a waiter at an olive garden and I want to do gaming. Right. And so Mm. that was the main mission over time. Right. That shifted where YouTube did really solve that problem. Right. YouTube made it a lot easier for people to make $50,000, and quit their jobs and become full-time creators. And then for me, it was like, well, is there a, a way we can, can move them not just to full-time creators, but to reach their full potential and do yeah. that in a way that was not, didn't actually, I don't want to say discriminate, but, but ultimately not reach all different creators along their different types of journeys. Like we didn't want to just focus on people making millions of dollars. We knew that $50,000 to a creator who's hiring their first editor is super critical, right, yeah. for their growth. And also a million dollars to a creator who wants to, you know, is a barbecue creator, wants to buy a restaurant and build a bigger studio is super critical too. So we thought capital and knowledge is much more scalable, right? Services like helping creators get promoted or helping creators edit their videos. Those things are great. They're just not as scalable and you can't do them for everyone. Um, And so we thought the aha moment is like, wow, if we can apply uh math right and and analytics to determine how how much money we can pay these creators at scale then we can really move the industry to creators that are making much bigger impacts than they otherwise yeah. right so that's yeah. what and I, is. that's amazing and what timing right did like in the last few years i guess what kind of stage were you like okay this is a good idea let's prove out the proof of concept. And then what stage were you like, oh, we're on something big here? Was there an, a kind of a moment? Yeah, I, it took us years. Uh, really? Wow. Many, many years. Uh, even even before kind of we really launched Spotter of data analysis and trying to see like, is this a really good idea? How do you actually make it work in the back end? What are the yeah. logistics to make not only investors comfortable, but debt investors comfortable. There was a lot of moving parts because it wasn't like this had never been done before, but it had never been done before in this world. Yeah. Right? That, that I think it was, you know, two or three years. And then, and then what we started to do was say, hey, we needed to convince the biggest creators yeah. right? because they were the most skeptical. That, and then, the, then, That's and cool. the impact of the capital was—it wasn't that it was more than it would have been for a, a, a more like rising star. It was just more noticeable, right? Yeah. So it, it was, you know, hey, I, I went from doing hundred thousand dollar videos or five thousand dollar videos to hundred thousand dollar videos, right? And yeah. and then you could really see it on uh, on 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 YouTube, um, and they were hiring going from one one person to 50 people or 50 people to 100 people, right? Um, and then that was the aha moment that once we were able to educate them and convince them and show them that this is a really smart move, yeah. the, the big difference was saying, hey, what when you did the deal with us, what happened a year later, right? And when yeah. you saw that a year later, you grew three or four times faster than you otherwise yeah. would have grown, which... Uh, there's a guy named um, Nathan from Unspeakable who actually yeah. was quoted to say, I did what I could 
what would otherwise have taken me four years, I did in one year. Wow. And that is when we were super convinced that the, that the product works because it wasn't about like in the music business a lot. There's yeah, this, it reminds me so much of the music business, but keep going. Yeah. yeah like in the music business, it's much more of an exit strategy, right? Mm. It's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm staying, I'm getting $300 million from my royalties. I'm going to, it's not like the next day is going to go put out six albums, right? Yeah. Here it's all about re, uh, reinvestment, like it doubling down on yourself and you can actually see the impact fairly quickly. So yeah. with, like, with creators, we knew we were really onto something when they were coming back to us eight months later or six months later, and we were paying them just as much six months later as we had paid them for their whole library that they built over four years wow. because they had grown so fast. So now it became what, what was the aha moment there was it was a new way for creators to get rewarded for their yeah. work, right? Yeah. Like it was just a new way for them to get paid. Um, yeah. And then we saw that, oh, we can impact a lot of other creators who were doing deals that, you know, from I think we've done as small as $2,000, right, all the way up to, you know, tens of millions. You know, I think our largest one has been 40 million plus. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. You yeah. guys are like uh, Patreon on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, I think it does kind of solve what like, look, Patreon was all about solving the issue of recurring cash flow, right? Yeah. And and having fa- and fans pay you directly, but for us, it's like, yeah, don't wait five years. Find get a new way to get paid, right? Don't yeah don't for this capital. Um, don't yeah. be subject to the fluctuations of the market. Let us be yeah. subject to that, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, That's it, fascinating. Yeah. yeah, cool. And obviously, um, I, I like my experience. I worked at Google before. I fully understand that YouTube monetization piece and everything. So YouTube is a core element for a lot of your creators. Is there other platforms that are important for them in this um, monetization piece? Um, yeah, what have you seen there outside of YouTube? Yeah, no, it's been, it's quite interesting. I think in general, uh, and I said this earlier on, right, was that we believe there will be, you know, exponential growth in the number of creators in multiple ecosystems, right? So yeah. you see everything from, you know, obviously YouTube, which is ad supported all the way to, you know, you can talk about like Axe Infinity where, you know, it's play to earn and, and gamers are getting paid to build their characters, right? In a metaverse that ultimately they, that seems to be more of a, an ongoing uh, cash flow stream. So when you think of the long-term opportunity, it's all across all platforms that we don't even understand yet, right? Um, yeah. Today, the, the hard thing is that the platforms that exist today, the only one that's really figured out how to make a predictable income stream for creators is my, in my mind is YouTube, right? Yeah. Now, there are other platforms like TikTok and Instagram and so forth that have done a good job. Well, the creators have done a good job of figuring out alternative monetization um, approaches, meaning brand integrations and so forth. Yeah. Right. That have helped them pay for themselves, pay for their careers, but it's nowhere near what YouTube's doing. Right. And that's a hard business, right? It's very lumpy brand integrations that you have to take away from your creative freedom in order to actually integrate those brands. And so TikTok right, seems to be like headed in the direction of yeah. sharing and ad revenue. 
that's that they just made that announcement of sharing. Yeah, yeah, Pulse last week or yeah. Pulse, yeah. Right. I don't think it's going to work for creators yet because it only shares with creators at the top 4%, right? Um, and even then, I'm pretty sure, although I'm not completely sure, it's the top 4% of any videos in that given day, right? Oh. Um, and so what happens is, like, Mr. Beast channel is in the top 10%. I, I, may, I don't know if it's exactly that. Yeah. All the time, but not his his individual most recent video is the only one that's in the top 5% of videos in that given yeah. day, right? So you may yeah. not even be paying them enough. So we haven't seen other platforms fully embrace or, or offer a predictable monetization stream that would allow us to do what we do today, right? Yeah. For them. That being said, we look at also, well, the e-commerce opportunity for creators and going, a lot of creators have come to us and said, hey, can you help me launch my blank? Yeah. And we're going, hmm, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of audience. We can see conversion. Do we believe that that can be a predictable cash flow stream where we can provide creators knowledge and capital, right, to grow? Yeah, mm. I really much believe that. Is it here today? We got to experiment, right? Yeah. Um, but that will be our move to like, it's either got to be some sort of predictable, it has to be a predictable monetization stream that we can provide capital that would accelerate the creator's growth. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that's going to be a massive business um, even internally, we talk about, you know, what would it look like if we deployed a trillion dollars to creators over the next 30 years, right? Wow. That would take us hundreds of years now, right? But you're going, uh, it's going to get, you get to the point where that that's absolutely doable. Yeah. And your background is finance, right? So you've like the perfect mix, don't you? That finance background and the, and like the whole machinima was one of the first MCNs, if not the first. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, no, it's um, it's actually yeah, of course, where I got the I actually got the idea from doing film finance and music financings for J.P. Morgan, um, but that was so many years ago. I, I've been a YouTube, pretty much on YouTube exclusively for I guess now sixteen or seventeen, sixteen years, yeah. um, and so I've I've uploaded content. I've gone through the pain of, you know, having a production team and seeing how much content we can produce with a limited budget, yeah. right? Uh, trying to get audiences, trying to get better. Um, and and it just, I empathize with the creator's needs and struggles to get to a place where they can really, you know, have a well-oiled machine that, 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 that yeah. delivers their best product. Um, yeah. So, and uh, just with, with, with Machinima, um, like it was 2006, you founded that company, correct? Right? Yeah. 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 It, it was that, that, that's when we launched on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so was it something else before YouTube? Yeah. It okay. Was, it was its own at the time. YouTube had just started to launch its partnership program. Yeah. Right? And so it was an invite only program for, I think, 35,000, uh, different partners. Yeah. Uh, they invited us. We were at the time a, a, a you know a web uh, web destination, right? machine.com, and yeah. we contributed on like Brightco through Brightco and I yeah. and I, all these other platforms. And we just thought, well, you know, Justin.tv was that those days as well. There's, maybe? There was that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which now is Twitch, right? I think. Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, we felt like 
man, being on YouTube, YouTube is going to be so far ahead of the game from a technology perspective, a monetization perspective. I mean, every, we knew that like the iPhone hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Right? But when it when it did come out, we knew. Well, we're we're going to be first on iPhone because we're with YouTube. Yeah, but how did you have such vision? Like YouTube's only founded in 2015. Why were you so bullish about YouTube in 2016? You mean 20, 20 or sorry, 2006? 2000, so 2005, YouTube five, was founded. So how, how come you were so confident about YouTube in 2006? Yeah, I I think it was from a different perspective. It was basically if you had watched the transition. Uh, kind of radio to broadcast TV, broadcast TV to cable. You just mm. saw kind of new technologies enabling, you know, content to be distributed to larger groups of people. Uh, yeah. And you saw the disruption that cable uh, delivered or how much cable disrupted broadcasts with lots of niche networks that were reaching very specific audiences and the value of those networks were skyrocketing. We thought... Yeah. Hey, YouTube is is it just a way more advanced version of that same thing? But you could be more niche, right? It could be like yeah. it was Discovery, and then it was Animal Planet. Here we were yeah. like it could be just gaming, but it's going to be global, right? Yeah. So it was very big. So we thought building a content brand. If we were to redo uh, cable. Right. What would we what would be the equivalent of like what MTV was to the disruption of broadcast to yeah. YouTube disrupting uh, cable? And we thought, well, it wouldn't necessarily be music, but it might be in gaming. Gaming was huge. It was low cost. Right. Yeah. And, Mishima, uh, and, that, and that's where we started. And, and we believe that like a single platform you know, owned by the biggest platform. Right. Uh, which had built in monetization, would just would just thrive. Um, and and it did, and went, and it went fairly fast. Although it was very messy in the beginning, right? I mean, yeah, YouTube platform was a was a, a lot of fraud, a lot of clickbait, right? A lot yeah. of, um, and they had to clean it up. But sticking with it, right, has been yeah. really, really beneficial. So. Oh, it's a crazy machine now. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and and then switching gears a bit back to the scale point again. So. Like um, at Spotter, you guys obviously fund money for creators, so you've had to raise a lot of capital. What's it like raising five hundred and fifty million dollars? Yeah, it, it was not easy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like the the remember the, our mission was like you can never raise enough equity to make a dent in in the creator economy on YouTube. Um, it's first, like if you're a startup and you're like, Hey, we're going to do this big thing. We're going to finance creators, give us $15 million. Right. And you'd be like, yeah. okay, right. How much proof can you get? Cause there's the mathematics behind, right. Mm. The economics behind having to get to a certain scale on YouTube so yeah. that it's not so volatile that you're, that you could lose all your money very quickly. Right. Yeah. And, and so we knew we needed to raise, a significant amount of money to get to the equivalent of a portfolio of content that would allow us not to be subject to any one creator or be subject to any one trend um, to actually, you know, make where we would depend on it or lose or lose our, our money. Um, but what, so we started the business with very much a transactional mindset, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and that was helpful for creators because, 
creators had felt like very jaded by these third-party partnerships that had a lot of promise, but not a lot of delivery, or there was hope for big things and they didn't really pan out. Um, and so they didn't really want another partner. They really yeah. wanted to cap. So we were very much like, hey, we're a transaction. We raised, you know, I think it was $65 million. And we had to convince the hardest market, which was the debt capital markets, to be yeah. able to go, oh, this is another... This is not too dissimilar to film finance, music financing. Music, yeah. Right? So there was examples out there. But what we saw was that creators wanted the transaction, but then they came back for more, as I mentioned before. Yeah, and yeah. And that became a... Which is unusual versus music anyway, I guess. Well, yeah. you've, you've sold your... You're sold yeah. your world, right? yeah. And in this case, they were growing so fast that we're creating new content that was worth yeah. more than old content that that then raising capital to go, no, we have repeat customers. Yeah. And those customers are getting more valuable. Right. Wow. Um, and and so now there's a relationship and almost a partnership. Now that's gotten yeah. even further today, where where with the new capital we've raised, the recent last year we raised a lot. Yeah. Um, we we've really pitched it as we are we are a resource to creators, not a not a tool, not a service. We're a resource that we will be there along the ride for them. And therefore, if we have like you, you can imagine our brand, right? We're not going to be on the front stage of Comic Con and, and 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 showing off our brand. We're going to be behind the stage at VidCon talking to the feature creators about how to help their business, right? Yeah, that, that partnership and us providing insights and 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 data and examples of like what does it mean to hire your first editor is that a yeah. big decision is that a hard decision then it became a much more of a business that it was yeah. a recurring business it wasn't transactional just purely transactional and then it got a lot easier to raise capital yeah for any budding entrepreneurs out there raising money what advice would you give them yeah i mean i, th I think the main advice is you're gonna you know pitch a lot of people, um, you know, you, you won't really know who your right partner is until you find them. And even then it's hard. Um, yeah. and, and so just as an example, you know, I remember pitching Machinima, I think it was 200 no's until we got one yes. Wow. Uh, and, and here, I think it was, I think it was close in the first round, it was close to 180 no's before we got one yes. Uh, obviously that one yes leads to two and three yeses uh, once yeah. they, people hear, but it, it's resilience is, is the number one thing as an entrepreneur that, that allows you to, to thrive. We've gone through times where I've not gotten paid anything. I've had to put money in. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's super interesting because, you know, entrepreneurs, I think the one thing is it's a very lonely um, position to be the CEO and founder of your own company. Right. And mm. And, you know, I, I get my own, I, I've, I've hired my own coach, right, to help me through things. And it doesn't need to be so lonely. And what happens yeah. with, with, with entrepreneurs is you're forced to do what I call future tripping, right? Which is, hey, like, what are all the scenarios that could happen if, if I put my money in and I don't raise capital and I've run out of money, right? Yeah. Or, or I hire five people and I have to lay them off because I can't afford to pay their salaries. Um, that, that trauma that you're thinking through is, feels very real. Right. Um, yeah. 
And so you get, you get kind of like, you have to realize that that's actually okay and normal and not scary. Um, it's just a way of making sure you're, you're, you're looking at the right things. Um, yeah. It's not one single piece of advice, but it, it's ultimately trying to relate to everyone out there that, that says, Hey, this isn't easy. Right. And it shouldn't be easy. Um, and everyone else that's doing it, even, even if it looks easy, they're having a hard time with it. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's so it's resilience, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's not the, like, you know, if you have the best elevator pitch, you're going to win and everything. Will yeah. Go, yeah. Right? Um, so yeah, it's probably uh, being, um, embracing the no, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I interviewed someone yesterday, uh, Richard North, who founded a company back in e-commerce and he's the owner of a company called, um, wow stuff. But okay. it was interesting what you were saying there. Like he was talking about like thinking about all of the things that could go wrong. Uh, kind of like what you said, which is like, it's basically like being paranoid a lot. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I, I, and, and no matter how much success or failure, like yeah. when the failure, when the, the, the moment of failure becomes true, it doesn't yeah. stop the thinking of like, what could go worse? But yeah. you also have the other, the other side, right? Is, yeah. Right. Wouldn't go better. So what really helps actually, and we've done, I mean, I, and I continue to do these exercises. Actually, Rob Gable's really great at it um, too. Shout out for Rob. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's that you got to have this vision, this purpose for the company that yeah. will last way past yourself. Right. And so when we think of like, hey, we believe that creators with access to knowledge and capital will change the world, mm. right? To me, that outlives the paranoia, right? Yeah. And when we say, hey, we could deploy a trillion dollars to creators over the next 30 years, yeah, right? that outlives the immediate paranoia, right? Of, well, what if we can't make payroll and so forth? And then you narrow that down into a two to three year mission. And so when you yeah. have a a vision and mission and values that outlive, yeah. outlive the, the, the concerns. And then you have like the baby steps to get there, right? Yeah. That those concerns start to stop outweighing the actions. And so you have to mix this like kind of long-term view with what, I, what we call like small wins, right? Yeah. It's just like lots of small wins actually make the job really enjoyable, right? Yeah. And, and if you're just going like, like for this year, we're supposed to deploy by, oh, by the Q1 of next year, we're supposed to deploy a billion dollars, right? Wow. But if I just thought about that all day, <laughs> it's, it's nothing will happen. Yeah. Right? I'm like, what about the next million? Like, and then yeah. let's celebrate that. So it's resilience, but then it's like rewarding yourself with these small wins. Yeah. Right. Small wins. But it is this like paranoid mind that frankly it might be a little bit healthy, right? Um, that makes sure, because it's not like, uh, sorry to keep diving into this, I really, I really care about this topic because I know entrepreneurs- It's great. This is what the podcast is about, yeah. helping other entrepreneurs. Right, but it's like, you know, you, people will have, uh, the, the some people will go through and say, if there's a car in front of me and I'm driving on the highway and it's swerving, I got to protect myself because I'm worried that car might swerve into me if I go near it. Right. Then the entrepreneur typically then will go 
And then my car will go over the median and I'll break my leg in 16 places and, and so on and so forth, right? So you're like, part of the paranoia is really healthy, right? Yeah. Part of it is just not helpful, right, at all. Yeah. And so you got to balance that, right? You yeah. Like, hey, when I'm thinking through that, but you kind of live through that trauma. So it's not, I think it's like, hey, you would be heroic if you were able to be a successful entrepreneur that only had anxiety or worries 30% of the time, you'd be yeah. like, that's like superhuman. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's an interesting topic, but uh, it, it's, oh, it's great. I, I think when I've heard other CEOs express their own, own, you know, concerns, worries that, Hey, some people tell you, it's, you you're going to have to, it's like a five-year gig. You're like, nah, it's a 10-year, it's a 10-year thing at minimum, right? And yeah. you start to feel a lot better about uh, going after it, right? Cool. That's so. great. Um, paranoia and uh, as lonely at the top as a CEO, but how to do it. <laughs> yeah, cool. And um, thinking about businesses, like, I, I fully agree with you about like that vision, mission, North Star, and then celebrating the wins along the way. But when you think about like growing a business, and scaling a business, a lot of people talk about like people, process, and technology. Mm -hmm. Which ones um, are most important? Have you found in growing these businesses? People, by far. People. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and that, that and it leads to process too, right? I mean, obviously, you have to have desire to have process. Um, yeah, but you can have philosophies that lead to good processes because I think small wins, for example, leads to a certain type of process, right? Yeah. That That's very different than, all right, I'll see you next year. Tell me if you hit your goals, right? Um, yeah. But you got to have people like, look, I mean, this is by far and away the culture at Spotter is the best culture I've ever been a part of. Um, and that's it, not just because we say we want a good culture. Right. Mm -hmm. we've, we've hired people that have heard our passion, believe in the mission and then are just good to be around. Right. Yeah. And one of our values, although, you know, sometimes we're like a little bit embarrassed to publicly state is, is give a shit. You yeah. just get a bunch of people like when you we have offsites, even if we're not all aligned. Right. And yeah. you're like, wow, I didn't. I don't know that I would want the product team working that way versus a different way. But when everyone presents as if they really give a shit, they really care, you're like, yeah. we're in great shape. We're in great shape. Yeah. Because it's just a misalignment or a redirection or whatever. It's not a, well, they're mailing it in and how do we motivate them and all that. So it, it's a, it's a people. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, how do you make sure that you're, hiring good people in the business then or your management or hiring good people in the business who will yeah give a crap or yeah do you have any kind of secrets to that or tips? Um, i i think understanding your values right yeah. um really helps and and sharing you know like look, look the exercise one of the exercises we did was in terms in terms of you know, when we move from like 20 people to 100 people, right? Mm -hmm. You go, now you got to start putting things on paper and not just talk about Yeah, them. yeah. And, Job descriptions even. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But but even the values, right? Yeah. Like at first you could be very tribal, right? Yeah. 
Um, and, but once you put them down on paper and you're like, this is really what we stand for. And when you put them down, they cannot be work hard, you know, the, 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 the kind of give it a hundred percent. Like they have to really feel like what you guys, what, what the team does every day. Right. Yeah. Um, it's really what you, and it's, it's fairly easy to, I think weed out people that don't align with those values. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean they're going to be great at their job ultimately, but if they're a good cultural fit and there's plenty to do, um, it will probably work out. Uh, but finding the right people is really hard. Like you, you get people from corporate culture and they're going into startup and you're like, wow, they're from, you know, Amazon or Meta or wherever. And you're like, they should be amazing. And they've had a lot more resources than, than startup. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've found really great people in very different ways. And, um, and yeah, people have not worked out. And if it worked out, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't because it was a bad cultural fit. It yeah. 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 It was like wrong job, wrong time. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe they would have been really good in where Spotter is today, but not yeah. years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, so. It's even like in this environment right now where a lot of companies are struggling to hire people and like people get a little bit more desperate maybe and stuff and try and take shortcuts. It like, it kind of reminds me of sales where it's like, sometimes it's just as good to get a no as it is a yes <laughs> in terms yeah. of like making sure that that person's expectations are set correctly because it might be the wrong job for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it just takes a lot of discipline, right? Discipline, I mean, yeah. I struggle with it all the time. I mean, I, I definitely go like, I just want a butt in the seat, right? Like, I yeah. just want someone helping. And if you rush it, it, it it's a much more expensive and painful process, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. then you have to find a new person and and, yeah. and let the other person go. Yeah. But um, yeah. we've been lucky. We've also just, you know, you ask kind of people, process technology, right? I think what's really helped is focus. Yeah. Um, and so we're not trying to do six things okay or six things well we're trying to do really one thing yeah. really well and so that what that does is it does kind of slow down your hiring um in a way that allows you to be in control and not make too many mistakes too quickly right yeah. um, <clears throat> when you hire like 200 people in one year you can really, it's really hard to make sure that every one of those is a good hire, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when you're super focused, you're not trying to do too many things that I think it just ends up working out way better. So yeah, the yeah. Other yeah, I agree. I give to every entrepreneur is like <clears throat> hyper-focused wins. Yeah. Earlier when we were talking about, um, or actually when I, I was thinking earlier when we were talking about the money you've raised and everything and your valuation publicly is like 1.7 billion on the last round. Yeah. Um, I Googled Universal Music and their valuation is, uh, their valuation is about, their market cap is about 12 billion. Do you think Spotter can get much bigger than some of these music labels like Warner Music, Universal and others? Yeah, I think so because of, of what I've said about it earlier, right? Which is the tidal wave of, of, of creators that are gonna come over the next 10 years is so big, mm. um, doing so many things, making money in so many different ways with really the power moving dramatically in the creator's direction. 
that there needs to be a company that acts like a resource um, with capital to allow creators to do what they want to do without, um, you know, owning them. And, yeah. and I think that when, I mean, you look at like crypto, Bitcoin, NFTs yeah. and so forth, like clearly right now it's, it's so early, so early, but just the power of, of the idea that a fan or a gamer can become the creator, right. Yeah. And, and make money doing that. Um, it, it, I mean, to me, for some reason, I don't know why, but Axe Infinity to me was like seeing that you can build a character, right, and and create more value by playing it and then have many characters and then people helping you play those characters and building more value and sharing those. You look at that and you're like, that that's a, uh, that can multiply at an exponential rate um, yeah. way faster than, than the music business can. Yeah. Right? Um, and it, I just think it's, we could easily, I think we can easily, so long as we're there along for the ride, tying ourselves to the capital moments, mm. we're not a bank, we're there, we're an enabler, right? And then we'll see all these other opportunities. I, I don't see why we couldn't, you know, be a $50 billion company um, or more over time. Um, yeah. And I just think now we're, we're like, you look at all these creator economy companies popping up and it's very so nascent that it's yeah. hard to look at it outside of YouTube. YouTube pays $15 billion a year. You're going, who yeah. else does? Right. And it's not yeah. right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, if you think of something like Spotify as well, it's worth about 20 something billion. I think uh, there's no reason why you guys can't get up to those 40, 50 billion, especially with the tailwinds right now with the platforms. And, right. and on that point kind of, is on the platforms. Do you have any advice for the platforms? Because uh, a lot of those people will be listening to this. Yeah, any advice for those guys? Yeah, I mean, the advice to the platforms is make sure, I mean, the, 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 make sure you're supporting creators, but I'll even get more specific than that, right? It's really hard for a creator to go try something, like an existing creator who's making a living to go decide to take an hour out of that time and dedicate it to something new, unless it's definable. So what I mean is if they go, I spend an hour making a video on YouTube, I pretty much can determine as of established what that's worth, right? Like yeah. how much money will I make? How much time will it take? Like it'll take an hour, but you know, how much effort will it take? How many resources it will take? If I move to TikTok, right, it's really, I can't define that, right? I can only yeah. define that I think I'll get more audience. I'm not sure yeah. what that translates to, right? TikTok's amazing at letting people scale very fast, right? But there's no value. So the more, the, look, like the, the value around the, I mean, the definition around the value of time getting really clear, right? We share 55% of all ad revenue with you on every video. And when you upload, a thousand videos over three years, you're going to start to really understand that equation and be able to quit your job and focus here. And then you have the potential, like the biggest thing right now, you and I can have a sit on this podcast and talk about as, as entrepreneurs, we have all these great examples of failures and successes and somewhat successful and somewhat failed failed and, and yeah. for different reasons. And so we can come up with ideas, right? Creators don't have that. Yeah. Like really like how much money people make and how do you do a brand deal? And 
it, I'm telling you, the number one response we get is like, what am I going to do with the money? Right. Wow. You're like, what do you mean? Like, look what all the, these other creators have done. And you're like, well, they're not that many, right? Yeah. It's going to get bigger and bigger and easier and easier to understand. So the platforms that say, hey, I'm not, it's not just like, am I going to give you more value, like 80, 20 to the creator? Yeah. Right. But making it known, like definable, right? And maybe it's because they say, hey, change your thumbnails to this way and you'll make 10% more, right? Change. Yeah. They got to support the creators because that's why YouTube's successful. Yeah. Yeah. But is that back to your previous point about like capital and knowledge you guys give, the knowledge piece you're really pushing the platforms? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing all this knowledge, like from anything from, hey, there's a better way to title your video something yeah. or a better day to upload your content, right? Because of just how the ad market works, unrelated to mm. your video and so forth, right? All the way to like, I've never been, I've literally never been in a room with another creator to talk about their experience and how hiring the first three people feels. Like, yeah, like it's a super scary thing. So like one of the things we're doing is going to have a creator summit at the, uh, in October, where it's just creators meeting to figure out like what are three to five things we can all share with each other that will help each other for the next year, right? Cool. And having those conversations because they're just not happening, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's like creators going to parties, like YouTube will throw a creator event, at, yeah, right? But that YouTube event is not a learning event, yeah, it, it's much more of a Hey, David Blaine, when it's cool, right? Like, and it's not that they don't appreciate that, but think of how many, like, even VCs act as resources to entrepreneurs, right? So, yeah, why is that not happening here? So, the platforms, I just think, need to say, if I tell a creator to spend an hour of time building content on my platform, what is that going to equate to, right? And right now, TikTok, I think, is very clear that it equates to audience, right? Yeah. But the monetization is not clear, right? And so yeah. these decisions to make. Yeah. Uh, cool. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on Coffee for Scales. Oh, the knowledge and uh, information you've given everyone. It's about resilience and paranoia if you're a CEO or founder out there as well. And stay focused. Yeah. They were your key lessons. But thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Dennis. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, great. And uh, I'll and everyone out there, please subscribe to my YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify. I needed to get my next spotter check. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got a spotter check yet, but I'm hoping. But yeah, amazing to have you. Um, All right. uh, yeah, Aaron. And I think like, yeah, spotter, the next 50, $100 billion company. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.